Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatria, joined by Harris Caramani, here to break down this wonderful Monday, November 22nd slate for you guys. We have 10 games on the docket, so we have a lot to get to, but Harris, how you doing, my good friend? Another another day, another week, another ten games to go through. Can't complain. It's been it's been a pretty solid weekend. A bit rainy out here, but otherwise the weather's been a little better than the chilliness we had for the rest of the week. So it's good. It's a good start. That's what all my friends back home say. I, I, that's that's the one thing I ask them every day. Like, ah, what's the weather over there? They're like, ah, it was it was pretty warm today. It was like 42, 43. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's 75 down here, 80 uh, every every day still. It won't get maybe a temperature drops here and there, but during the day, it's a clean 80 every single day, which I just like that because I'm a t-shirt and shorts kind of guy. But enough about that, man. We got 10 games to break down, a nice fully packed slate. We're going to jump right into it. Just a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor over at Manscaped. Head over to manscaped.com where they have all of the male grooming products that you can imagine, need, ones you didn't even know about that you probably will need once you see them. Use that promo code HOOPBALL20. That will get changed pretty soon to Sports Ethos 20, but for now, it is still HOOPBALL. So head over there, guys. Promo codes HOOPBALL20. You get 20% off plus free shipping on your entire first purchase. So gifts for you, gifts for friends, gifts all around. You got them. Holidays approaching. Grab them. Use the promo code. Everything from the lawnmower to the ear, nose, and hair trimmer. Shea butters, body washes, conditioners, toners. You name it, they got it. Use that promo code over at Manscaped. So we're going to dive right into this Harris. First game of the night, Brooklyn Nets traveling to Cleveland. The Believeland, they are taking on the Cavs in this one. Uh, as of right now, we do not have a game total or a line. I'm assuming that's because we're getting some of these Cavaliers players back in this one, but they just want maybe they just want to be certain. Uh, but we we should get some back for the Nets. Bruce Brown has been rolled out. Nick Claxton, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, they are all sitting. And then for the Cavs, Evan Mobley still out. Colin Sexton still out. C.D. Osmond is doubtful. Lamar Stevens is doubtful, but it looks like we're going to see some Jared Allen and Lloyd Marketing. So I'll pass it over to you. Who can we expect to, I guess, either start or get a little bit of extra minutes with uh, Bruce Brown sitting? Yeah, then, I mean, we saw in the last one that they ended up doing a little bit more of uh, the James Johnson situation. I mean, he ended up playing 26 minutes, dropped a beautiful line, 39 fantasy points, and he's always been one of those guys that I love going to. I miss his Memphis days because he was always that Swiss Army knife dude who can just absolutely fill it up as far as statutes is concerned, as long as he gets a solid amount of 25 to 28 minutes and he's able to get his shot attempts, which looks like he is. So that's actually the spot I'm looking for as far as the uh, cheap side of things are concerned for Brooklyn. I don't know if necessarily he's going to start, but he should be getting the lion's share of those minutes because they just need someone to be able to crash the boards. But on the good news, we know Kevin Durant is on his way back, got just that one game out, and at his 11000 price tag, he just continues to be that guy that as long as he's healthy and playing, he's going to put up the kind of numbers that we expect. But the wrinkle to it all is just James Harden has been coming back into his absolute best over the last couple of games, even if he's not shooting it all that great. But his free throw attempts are way up. He's been in double digits for three of the last, or in fact, four of the last five games. So as long as we're going to see that, we're going to have the opportunity to see him drop monster lines. So 
it's kind of a pick your poison thing. I, I know there's a couple of studs that are here on the line, but I just like how Harden's uh, rolling back into form. I know the game line's not up yet, but I expect this to be one of the higher scoring games of the night. So in terms of my studs, I'm probably looking at Harden over Durant just because of the first game back for Durant and Harden just looking good. But I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Yeah, that's the, the beauty of this slate. There's really not a lot of guys to spend up on. There's a few, but you figure on a 10-game slate, normally we would have you know, five to six options over that 10K mark that we would really consider, or we don't. Um, I'm probably leaning a little bit more Durant after that one game off in this one. I, I know Harden has been absolutely unstoppable. Getting to the free throw line is it's super important to him and his game, and it's finally happening. Maybe the refs are just starting to feel bad for him, but uh, he's hit at least, uh, or gone, gone to the line at least 11 times over the past five games, four out of the five. Uh, and obviously he knocks those down at almost a near perfect clip. So I have interest in Durant a little bit over Harden. The other guy that I think I have a little interest in for a value would be Bembry. Uh, he played 41 minutes in that last game with no Bruce Brown. I imagine he draws the start. They're probably going to still take Patty Mills off the bench to provide that second unit uh, usage and boost. So you want to throw in Patty Mills? Wouldn't fault you there. 10-game slate. Uh, you're really just kind of banking on the scoring with Patty, though. He doesn't really do much outside of scoring. With Bembry at 3,100, small forward eligible. I think you get chip in in a few different ways, not ever expecting, you know, 35 or 40 from him. But a 31, if he can get us 20 to 25, we, we would take that. We, it's comfortable. So really just Durant and I think a little bit of Bembry. If we see or hear that James Johnson starts, I have no issues going there as well. On to the Cleveland side of things. Things are going to get a little bit more confusing over here just knowing that we don't know exactly how many minutes we can expect from Jared Allen or Laurie Markkinen. I mean, both these guys have – well, Allen missed better half of a week, and then we're talking about Markkinen missing pretty much two weeks uh, with the COVID. So we don't know. Uh, do they come back and play 30-plus? I, I kind of want to ear on the side of caution with that and say no. Um, you know, both these guys kind of got back in that game shape and everything like that. So I'm probably going to guess no. If I had any interest, though, I think I'd rather play marketing at that 5K price tag with Colin Sexton ruled out for the rest of the year. No Mobley. He could play that three and that four for him. Should be taken second or third on the team in shot attempts behind Rubio and Garland. I have a little interest in him. And then I obviously I'm going to always have an interest in Ricky Rubio. Uh, as long as he's priced under 7K, I think he's very much an option for us every single night. The matchup is fine. We just saw him drop 36 and a half against him the other night. So I think those are the two primary pieces I'd be considering. But I think, you know, there might be a couple other guys I missed that you have interest in if you want to throw them out there. Yeah, man. Again, the return of all these guys just makes it a little bit tougher for me to go back to the uh, Kevin Lovewell, who I did go to in the last game, and I like for what he did. But it's just one of those where Markkinen, as you pointed out, is probably the major piece that's going to get all those shots. Uh, Okoro's been playing well over the last couple of games, but you know his price has gone up a little bit. And with all the pieces coming back, I don't know if he'll get the kind of double-digit shot attempts in Heck, even the 35 to 40 minutes he's been getting in those last couple of games. So really, it's Ricky Rubio, who I trust the most. Maybe a little bit of Darius Garland, just because I expect this to be a high-scoring matchup. And Garland's just one of those guys that likes these kind of matchups there. But yeah, Markkinen, if I know that he's not going to be in any major restrictions, if we get a little bit of news before that, I'll be more comfortable locking him in as well. All right, we'll keep it moving then to the next game. Charlotte Hornets traveling to Washington taking on the Wizards in this one for the Hornets. Uh, they're pretty much good to go outside of P.J. Washington. He is doubtful. And for the Wizards, it's Davis Bertans questionable. And then Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura both sold out. Rui, it sounds like he's getting closer. I think they mentioned that they want to give him a little G League stint too just to get him back into the rhythm and get things going. But this game's coming in at 216.5 uh, 
game total, which I was a little shocked at. Uh, I thought it would probably hit 220 with both these teams' defenses being pretty lackluster. And then Washington being favored by four. So uh, I'll pass it over to you. Why don't you get us started with the Hornets? I mean, Lamella Ball, we already talked about it. Not a ton of guys priced over 10 k him being one of them. Uh, and let's face it, uh, the dude's walking 50, it feels like, pretty much every night. Obviously, he has those down games here and there. But the potential of a triple-double is always there. Is he one of those guys you would play over? James Harden, or are you still leaning Harding over him? I mean, that 1400 price difference is probably going to be all down to what I consider the builds for the mid guys, because there's a couple where I'm considering uh, mid 5000s that I may take over, say, a Ricky Rubio. And if that happens, I'll probably go with LaMelo Ball over over James Harden in that case. But as you said, he's, he's a walk in 50, even on games where he doesn't shoot well, as he did in the last one, I mean, five of 18, but he still dropped a triple double, got up to 55 DK points. And really, it just seems like his floor is so safe that there's few other guys that you can take as a stud that you know won't just completely disappoint you. And really, if LaMelo Ball has a good game, as I expect, you can usually go and lock in Miles Bridges alongside it because the major recipient of all those passes that are going to come through, as we saw in the last game where he dropped a 35 bomb you know, for DK points of 54, it's just it just works. It's, it's one of those things where if you're going to take one and you're believing in them, I often find myself pairing it with Miles Bridges. And for his 8,200 price tag in a matchup that... As you said, I probably expect it to be a higher scoring one anyways. And frankly, uh, Miles Bridges just has the kind of speed that I don't really see anyone on Washington from the power forward spot really being able to keep up with. So I expect him to have a good night as well. So, you know, it's one of those pick your poison situations, but I'm probably going to take them both if I do end up going that way. And then beyond that, there's just, you know, a couple of dart throws that you can go out and get there. I mean, Cody Martin is one of those guys that just continues to be a bit of an enigma. He's got two back-to-back games of 27 uh, DK points, which obviously at his uh, 3,600 price tag would be a great boon if you can go ahead and throw that again. It's just whether you believe he'll get those uh, 11 or so shot attempts and be able to hit at least with some sort of efficiency. I'd never buy Cody Martin. Uh I just, I mean, he's okay. He's not a bad rotation guy. I, it just baffles me that he even is getting this much run. Uh, but I don't think he's that that good personally. <laughs> but the stats are there. You're not lying. Three out of the past four games, at least 27 DK points. Uh, I think you said it perfectly. I, I look at Lamelo. I don't mind Bridges. Um, the only problem is if I play both those guys, I want to run it back with someone on the other side of the ball, which we'll get to. But uh, here's a little, you know, little foreshadowing. I don't like anybody on the other side of the ball. So I, I, you know, I don't mind the one-off of one of these guys. I just don't want to get a complete game stack going. Just the price tags on the other side of the ball aren't that enticing. So I think Lamelo. And if you also want to take a dart throw at a guy like Kelly Oubre Jr. at 4,400, uh, don't fall, don't fault you, and don't mind it at all. The minutes have been up three out of the past four games, at least 24. Um, so I'll take it. I don't mind it. And then if you're looking at it, you know at least 27 minutes and three out of the last five. So the upside's there. The shot attempts will continue to be there. When he plays more than 24 minutes, usually gets those double-digit shot attempts. It's just the ancillary stats and whether he knocks down the shot. So decent GPP play, not much in cash. And I don't know if there's anything else you want to add on to uh, this Washington side of the ball. But, yeah, pretty comfortable just completely taking a pass on most of these guys. Yeah, I think you're pretty well right on that. I mean, I, I do still like Montrez Harrell just – for the fact that he will continue to get the kind of run that he's been getting. Gafford just has been an absolute bust. His minutes just continue to go down. And it's just one of those things where they clearly just don't like playing him. On the other hand, it's Denny Avdia that's been seeing the minutes boost all the way through. And while he still hasn't kind of had that complete breakthrough game, three out of the last four games he's had, uh, you know, 20 plus, had even a 32 in one of those as well. So the upside is there. And for sub 4,000, 
as you said, if you're going with someone on the Charlotte side, you may want to have a little bit of exposure. And Denny Avdia is probably the main one that I go for just for that small forward power forward dual eligibility as well. All right, we'll keep it moving then. Houston Rockets traveling to Boston, taking on the Celtics. Celtics look like they're finally back in full health with Jalen Brown being considered probable along with Dennis Schroeder, Robert Williams, and Romeo Langford. And for the Rockets, it's really just Kevin Porter Jr. He is questionable. Uh, saw a video of him online getting some shots up, and they said that he wasn't feeling too much soreness or anything like that. So I think I'll give it a go. Uh, but it's still something that we need to keep an eye on and monitor. Right now, we do not have a game total uh, or a spread for this game. To be honest, we only have, I think, what, three or four of them uh, for the entire 10-game slate. So you're going to hear that a lot tonight. But looking at this Rockets team, it's a, it's going to be... I wouldn't say a tough matchup, uh, but a fully health, a healthy Celtics team is a lot different than the one we've been watching for the past week and a half. Uh, I imagine they'll be able to score a couple more points. The defense will be a little bit better, especially on the interior. I really like that Christian Wood price tag at 7,600, but it's it's tough to pay the 76 when we've seen some of these down games. And if the game gets out of hand, he's one of the first players that ends up sitting. Now, do I think it's going to be a complete blowout? No, I don't. Um, and I think you can look at him in GPPs. I wouldn't trust him enough for your cash games outside of him. Only other guy I really would be considering is if Kevin Porter Jr. sits. You can look at a guy like Eric Gordon, who's been playing plenty of minutes. He'll get the shot attempts. He'll do everything you need him to do. But, again, not not a player I'm overly excited about playing. Just somebody worth talking about, I guess, on this Houston team. Yeah, fair enough. And I think the only other one that I'm thinking of once uh, we get the Kevin Porter news is Jay Sean Tate, who just continues to be that kind of do-it-all guy for them. And his minutes are much more secure now. He's gotten over 30 in the last two games there, dropping higher than 30 and nothing lower than 26 and four of his last five in fact sorry 24 in four of his last five so still pretty solid floor as far as he's concerned and boston despite their health even earlier in the year just haven't found a way to really have blowout games they just keep finding ways to let oppositions back in even in that previous one against uh against okc they just couldn't put it away and in the end it became a two possession game so i don't necessarily know whether uh, Houston's going to be completely blown out here. They could. Obviously, they've lost 14 in a row at this point, so who knows what Houston's going to do. But I do like Jayshon Tate as a, uh, as, a good pick, uh, as a good pick for them. All right. Looking at the Celtics side of the ball, um, it sounds lame for the first few games. No interest there. Yeah. Uh, the only guy might be Tatum if you wanted to take a dart throw at him. But he's, t- he's over 10K. We've already talked about a few guys over there that I like a little bit more. And there's still seven more games that we haven't gotten to yet. So I just don't see myself going over here. Uh, Everybody fully healthy now. Jalen Brown's priced up too much in his first game back at 96. I'm not paying that price tag. I don't want to pay 68 for Schroeder coming off the bench now. Um, Marcus Smart, I mean, he's always in play for his defensive abilities, and he can rack up some of these ancillary stats, but he wasn't even getting that many shot attempts with Jalen Brown off the floor. You know, you could probably cut those in half and back to single digits again for him. So I think I'm all good over here unless there's something else you want to add. Yeah, by and large, I think I'm okay. Uh, the only th- news I'm really keeping an eye out for is uh, the Robert Williams one. Yeah, he's listed as probable, but we just want to make sure he doesn't have any sort of restrictions out there because, yeah, these kind of matchups are ones where he can just absolutely dominate on the inside. There's no size on that end. And once uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum are there, they like playing him alongside that a lot to get a lot of those cleanup baskets. And also, you could easily be seeing a, a big rebounding game for him. And if he just gets a couple of putbacks, he'll easily pay that off. All right, we'll move on to the fourth game, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time game. OKC traveling to Atlanta, taking on the Hawks for Atlanta. Bogdan Bogdanovich is questionable. DeAndre Hunter and Yekon Kongwu both ruled out. Shea Gildress-Alexander being considered questionable over here for OKC. This game's coming in at a 2-12.5 game total. Atlanta being favored by a whopping 10.5 points. 
which is pretty much any team going against OKC, unless you're the Magic or the Rockets, you're, you're probably going to be favored by double digits in the most part. The Shea news is big. That's obviously something that we're going to need to monitor and watch. Um, what they do with that starting lineup if he sits is a little bit of a question mark because Giddy's been primarily their point guard for the most part this season, with Shea playing a little bit more off ball. So you got to imagine a little bit more ball handling responsibilities for him. Dort would get a big usage bump. Giddy would get a small usage bump. And then it wouldn't shock me if a guy like Ty Jerome, I don't know if he would start, uh, but he'd probably see about 20 to 25 minutes at the very least is what I imagine if Shea sits and at 3,300 in this matchup in a game that's most likely going to get out of hand anyway, I definitely would have some interest in him. Uh, he's probably the only guy that I'm really looking at with confidence if we see that Shea's out. So I'll keep him in my player pool. Don't mind him. And then we could throw in, I guess, Jeremiah robinson Earl if you want. He's been pretty consistent in seeing a decent role over the past few weeks. So I'll look at those two guys. And then, honestly, if Shea sits, I don't I don't see how this game stays close. I mean, the spread's already 10.5 with Shea playing. I think that spread has him playing. Um, it would probably jump up to like a nice little like 12 or something if he sits. But who knows, man? I, I just It sounds lame, but I think Ty Jerome's probably the main guy I'd be looking at. Yeah, and I think you already mentioned uh, Robinson Earl as well being really the only guy I was looking at. Otherwise, again, just consistent minutes are there. They clearly need some sort of focus on development, and they seem to have put that towards him. So that's probably the one spot I'm looking at. But yeah, I just don't really like any of the other guys. If Shea goes out, I probably have a little bit of Dort just because I expect him to take 22 shots in that game, which very well could be another uh, Houston situation where he drops a 50 as a result. But Really beyond that, not too, too much, even though I'd like Giddy, but 6000 more than I'm willing to pay for right now. Yeah, and if you're playing Dort, you probably want to run it back with somebody on the other side of the ball. Just hope that the game stays as close as possible, which you could do. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't trust it in, in cash games. I think that's more of a GPP play. And I guess that's going to determine what kind of exposure you're getting to the Hawks, because I think Trey Young's a little too cheap at 94. Uh, I've been playing a boatload of Clint Capella this season. As soon as you start seeing runs of him playing 30-plus minutes, you, you know, you jump on the train. Last one, game got out of hand. He, he still put up the DK points we needed from him. 7,600, there's other centers that I feel a little bit more comfortable with, but in GPPs, sure, go for it. Real guys I'm looking at here uh, would be the guys I think that still see decent run regardless of a blowout or not. That would be like Cam Reddish at 3,600. With DeAndre Hunter out, he's been playing significant minutes now, at least 25 over the past three games, hitting 25 DK points in the last two. Um, 31 the game prior to that. So I think he would still play if the game got out of hand. I think Gallinari is a fine option if you want to take a look at him. Played 32 minutes in that last game, even with it getting out of hand. At least 29.5 DK points in two out of the last three games. So as long as these two guys are going to get ample run, uh, I- I'm going to have some shares and some exposure. And if you want to take a look at Kevin Werder, don't mind him either. So I'm not probably playing any of the top dogs, but maybe one-offing one of these uh, these wings is definitely an option for us. I feel like they're all a little too underpriced. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Kevin Herter was my major guy I was looking at alongside Reddish, so those are the major ones, and I don't expect this game to stay too, too close, to be honest. No, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> Vegas, Vegas doesn't. I don't. You don't. Uh, we'll move on, then. Uh, we're going to be on the fifth game now. Indiana Pacers traveling to Chicago, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. As far as the injury report goes, we do not have the Bulls second half of a back-to-back for them. Pacers fully healthy outside of T.J. Warren, only guy that's going to be considered out. We know for the Bulls that Vucevic, most likely is not going to play either way. I believe he just got out of quarantine. So he's finally out of the out of the quarantine part of the protocol, uh, which means, if I'm not mistaken, by the NBA standards that he passed, like they do, like, a, I don't, don't want to sound like I'm a doctor because I'm not, and I'm probably going to butcher it. So feel free to tweet at me and make fun of me for it. But I think they do some sort of blood testing on all the players before they let him out of protocol, which is one step that he was struggling with, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but 
he's not going to be playing. I wouldn't expect him back for at least uh, another two to three games at the very at the very you know, least. And then they might want to let him get a few practices in between even then. Two and uh, two eight and a half game total. Chicago 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 favored by three and a half here. I'll pass it over to you for the Pacers. What are you looking at? Yeah, and then I already got burned by trying to uh, go back to the Jeremy Lamwell the other night, but hey, it's three thousand, so tried it out, didn't work out, but that's fine. Uh, going back to it, it's just all you know, the usual suspects as far as they're concerned. I mean, it's all about whether uh, Indiana keeps it close versus Chicago. It's just Indiana has been a team that's just been struggling over the last couple of games. It's kept Sabonis's minutes down. He only played 22 in the last one, and even then was able to draw 47. And I think his price tag is way too cheap at 8,700 for what he can do. And given the fact that Vucevic is going to be out for this game, and I expect they're going to try to go a little bit more on the inside with Sabonis, I have a good bit of interest in him. And if that ends up happening, then I'll probably uh, be finding myself doubling back with uh, a couple of the guards on the Chicago side. But yeah, Sabonis is my major guy that I'm looking at here. Yeah, you got to love the matchup for him. The price is fantastic. If he plays 30-plus minutes, he should have had no problem hitting this. It's like you said, uh, the last game, they happened to blow out the other team, uh, limiting his minutes. And there's other games where he, uh, there was a stretch where he's getting into foul trouble. There's another stretch where there's blowouts. So, you know, don't don't necessarily be scared off by the box scores. If you're going to have some Chicago love and you want to run it back, I think Sponis is a great option. And I don't mind Brogdon at his price tag, too. I think 7300 is a little too cheap. Uh, when games that stay close, Carlisle plays these guys big minutes. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Brogdon's a guy, I think he's averaging like 36 minutes on the year. So, uh, which is a little absurd. Um, don't think he should be doing that, but he is. And as long as he's doing it, we could capitalize for fantasy purposes. So those are the only two guys I'm looking at on the Chicago side of the ball. I don't see myself running it back with too much here. Cause Levine, DeRozan, both these guys now nine K plus, um, it's hard to it's hard to go back and forth between the guys. You know, I usually try to pinpoint it based on you know specific matchups or a narrative maybe that might be involved with it because they're both lightning in a bottle. They both have an incredibly high usage rate this season. I just can't sit here and try to guess which one it's going to be on a nightly basis. So if I could avoid like on a ten game slate, I probably will. But if you wanted to play either one of them, I wouldn't fault you. I still think that they're probably just a tad overpriced. I'd rather have them in that mid eight range, me personally. And then the only other guy I think that might be worth talking about. Um, would be like Tony Bradley at 33. They're going against a Pacers team that plays extremely big. They've been getting uh, getting away with playing small um, lately. I don't think they'll be able to get away with it for too, too much longer. Um, we saw it when they played the Lakers. He played 27 minutes. He didn't do too much with them, um, but the minutes were there. So in these matchups where they go against some pretty decent size, he's going to have to play at least 25-plus as long as Wooch is out. So if you want to look at him as a GPP Darthrow kind of value play, go for it. I uh, wouldn't fault you. Yeah, I think you've uh, hit the nail on the head. The main guards are a bit just too expensive. And on a side note, congrats to DeRozan for hitting into the top five of the uh, Kia MVP ladder. Didn't expect him to be there, but hey, he's gotten there. He's having a great year. But yeah, the prices are just uh, just a little bit out of there. Uh, if, if I'm expecting the game to stay at least somewhat close, I may end up taking that dart throw with Levine. I just expect him to be uh, always just a little bit more involved as far as the offense is concerned from a three-point range. And Indiana just has been one of those teams that have not done all that well from defending the perimeter. And a guy who's shooting 50% from three for the last five games is just a spot. If I'm picking between the two, I'd probably uh, go more towards Levine, mostly also because of that small forward eligibility. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's recent. They just gave that to him yeah. the last week or so. <laughs> Uh, which is who was I? I I'm trying to remember who I was looking at, and I was just shocked by his eligibility. Um, Paul George, I think it was. He had power forward eligibility and small forward eligibility at one point, and I think uh, on like one slate or two slates ago, it was only shooting guard eligibility. I was just wondering what DraftKings does sometimes. It just doesn't make much sense uh, whatsoever. But 
Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. On to the next game, though. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Orlando Magic traveling to Milwaukee, taking on the Bucks. Milwaukee, Dante DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, Semi Ojale all rolled out. And we have Rodney Hood listed as probable. For the Magic, Cole Anthony and Gary Harris, both of them questionable. Michael Carter-Williams, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, each one more all rolled out. So the backcourt may be in some slight distress in this one. Uh, looking at this Orlando team, the spread's probably going to be a massive one, especially if Cole Anthony sits. Uh, you know, he's one of the guys that we generally look at on a night in, night out slate. There's two spots I like to target the supposing Milwaukee team, though, and it's generally going to be in the front court and from behind the three point line. We just saw these teams face off, and they managed to keep it close, which gave us enough minutes to get uh, good games out of a lot of these Bucks guys. But I think I'm going to cross out Mobamba, Wendell Carter Jr. in this matchup. Just don't really want to target them. Uh, not a great, you know, Milwaukee's actually been playing a little bit of a faster pace this season. And maybe it tends to slow down with Chris Middleton and some of the main key pieces back in their starting lineup. But Bobby Portis likes to run the floor. He's aggressive. We know that's going to happen. We know that Giannis wants to push the pace as often as possible, especially when he grabs one of those transition rebounds and pulls like a Westbrook and just motors up the court in like three steps. So I don't have a ton of interest. If anything, I think we might be able to take looks at some of these dart throw type players like an RJ Hampton if the game gets out of hand. Played 28 minutes in that last one. Put up a nice DK game, 42.25 DK points. Don't expect a game necessarily like that, but he should be in play either way. And then maybe a guy like Terrence Ross. If the game stays closer, I imagine Ross plays a little bit more. We know he's not shy from the three-point line, but those are the two guys I have the most interest in. Yeah, and I think I might be a little bit more high on RJ Hampton because, spoiler alert, he was my value pick today. Uh, but, but it's all dependent on what the Cole Anthony news comes out as. If he's listing out, then they might actually find a way to uh, start RJ Hampton on this game. And he's just one of those guys that if that ends up happening with Cole out, I expect him to be able to get that uh, 25 to 28 minutes again without a problem. And he'll get the usage as well. So pretty easy spot for him to be able to beat that 4,200. Doesn't necessarily need to drop a 40 for it to be nice. Probably a mid-20s, early 30s game, and I'm happy with it. And I think he'll have the opportunity to be able to do it despite what the game does. Yeah, if he starts, sign me up. I'm all for it. Uh, yeah. Just because we know he's going to see at least probably 25, 30 minutes at that point. Even if the game gets out of hand, they're still going to play him. Uh, if we see the Terrence Ross starts, which they might not do that because they like the they like his scoring punch off the bench, kind of like a Patty Mills scenario, uh, then that's probably where you, know, you proceed with a little bit more caution, but he should still be looking at 20-plus minutes regardless. And if he's playing this bench unit of Milwaukee, which – they're good. They have a good bench. Don't get me wrong. Um, they're going to let these guys score at the end of the game. It, it's bound to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, you're one of those yeah, quarter by quarter betters if you take like uh, maybe like the magic in the fourth quarter, hmm. something like that. But uh, onto the other side of the ball, I want to have some interest here. It's all going to be about my game script, though. I might have like one or two of my GPP lineups banking on that this game stays closed. And if that's the case, you can look at Bobby Portis. You could look at Giannis. Obviously, if you're playing one of those guys, you want to run it back with a pretty big key cog on the other side but as we just said there i'm not i'm not looking to play too many of those key cogs so i'm gonna say proceed with caution um these guys are all pretty much priced appropriately nobody's out overpriced no one's really underpriced so you can you can pick and choose you can go with either one but knowing that Giannis and bobby portis two of those guys extremely aggressive high high have high usage rates those are probably the two main options i'd look at yeah, and Portis has been absolutely ridiculous for the last two games, but I don't expect uh, this game to stay as close as the previous Orlando game did for them. So I doubt he gets an opportunity to drop another 50, but hey, uh, I'm sure I'll be the one hearing it when it ends up happening. But I'm actually 
pretty much fading everyone here on as far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned. Maybe uh, maybe I'll throw a, a Grayson Allen just to be a, a cheap guy on the side when I'm taking RJ Hampton on the other one if it works out. But honestly, I don't think I'll have any exposure. I don't blame you. I'm kind of feeling that same same way. On the uh, on to the next game, we have Minnesota traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. For the Timberwolves, Josh Kogi, Nas Reed, both questionable. For the Pelicans, Devontae Graham is questionable. Uh, Zion still ruled out. This game does not have a game total or a spread right now. So it is what it is. We'll start off here with this wonderful Minnesota team who's fun to watch. Every, I, I'll give them that every single night. They're uh, absolute pleasure to watch. Uh, when I'm looking at this team, Anthony Edwards is finally getting to a price tag where I can have some interest in them. 7,400. We haven't seen one of those big explosive games, but I love his quote that he gave uh, gave to the media the other night after the game where as soon as he sees one of his shots fall, his confidence is through the roof. That's all he needs to see. So, uh, again, if you're betting mid-game and you see Anthony Edwards knock down his first jump shot that he takes, yeah, you, you go and hit the over on the points total because he's going to keep shooting. Um, so I have some interest in him. Patrick Beverly getting up to a decent price tag now, 5K, where we're not getting that smash value that we're hoping for every single game. He still has that 25 to 30, very much in the realm of possibilities. But on the 10-game slate, you could probably find something better uh, for 5K. So, I, you know, I'm not going to completely cross him off. I really like the cat price tag at 95. That's just underpriced for him. We know what cat's capable of on a night in night out basis. He's averaging 54 DK points against his team in two matchups this season already. So we've already seen these guys tip off against each other a couple times. Uh, and cat has just been absolutely scorching him. So for me, it's probably going to be cat. It's going to be Edwards. And if we see that Nas Reed sits, I wouldn't mind taking a look at a guy like Vanderbilt, who's just been capitalizing on that, you know, tweener minutes, playing a little bit of the power forward and then backing up cat also at the center. Gives him a nice stable floor of at least 25 minutes when that happens, in which point he can easily get you double-digit rebounds, throw in a couple defensive stats, and 4,200 is not a bad price for that. Yeah, agreed completely. And second spoiler alert, Cat's my favorite uh, expensive guy for the night. And as you said, the price tag is just way, way too cheap for what Cat can do. And really the only reason he didn't end up putting up another 50 in the last game against Memphis is because he only played 24 minutes and they absolutely destroyed him. So it's just one of those where they're coming in on a three-game win streak. They're looking uh, in some good form, good confidence to go through. And Cat under 10K is always someone that I'm going to be looking for given the matchup. And this Pelicans team, won't be defending him all that well. I mean, you know, on the other end, you're going to have Jonas Valanciunas trying to, but man, it's just one of those where they'll just be putting up points against each other and Ole defense on the other side. So we'll wait for the game total of this one to come up as well, but I expect it to be probably around that 220 mark. And Carl Anthony Towns is going to be the center for me as far as this matchup is concerned. Yeah. And I mean, listen, that's, that says a lot because I think Jonas, if he wasn't 89, I think that's the only thing that kind of keeps his ownership down in GPPs. Um, I'd have a ton of interest. I think he's a fine cash play, 89 too. I think we know we're going to get that stable floor out of him. And I love targeting opposing centers going against this Minnesota team. Like you said, Cap kind of plays that Ole defense, which it means none at all. Uh, he's averaging, I think it's like 55 DK points, 56.8 DK points against this in this matchup mm. uh, two times a season. Now, keep in mind, I think one, uh, was it one or two of those games, um, they were limited on bodies. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, so don't, don't completely quote me on that one, but um, they have been limited at, at points this season, which is guys missing here and there. So I still think he's an absolutely fine play if you want to look at him. Um, probably have better options in the cash in the cash spot, but maybe if you want to game stack this and just run it back with both centers, I can I can absolutely see that happening. Uh, Brandon Ingram coming in at 7,900. Don't love him. Don't hate him. It's a very modest price tag for him. 
Uh, he's better than what we were seeing at some point this season. He was pretty much priced over 8K this entire season outside of the first game that he played. So now that he's back down under that 8K mark, I'm going to keep him in my player pool. But I'm not going to go jamming him in there unless I, you know, I find myself landing on him and maybe I'm playing Cat and I want to run it back or I'm playing Edwards and I want to run it back. I think he makes sense in that kind of uh, circumstance. If the uh, Devontae Graham sits, we'll most likely be looking at another Tomas Sadoransky start, but he hasn't been doing much with the minutes. Uh, very, very timidly, only take eight, uh, taking eight shots over the past two games and uh, burned me. Anytime I saw Sadoransky start, I thought we'd be getting some pretty good minutes and some pretty good some pretty good fantasy stats out of him. He's always been a guy that I kind of capitalized on in spot starts, but has really burned me. It's really been the Kira Lewis show, who's also 3K. But keep in mind, uh, those games, both of them, um, he was hot. The last one got out of hand, which just opened the door for Kira a little bit more. Game prior, Kira put up three steals, which is, I would say, a little, uh, little out of the norm for him. But I'm not really loving all the options outside of Jonas and maybe a little Ingram. Um, not playing Naw for any time soon until I can see him get back into some decent form, but... You tell me, are you going to consider him a JPPs? <laughs> now, I was going to say the Sadoransky thing is, uh, it seems a couple of my friends are always into that too. And yesterday just became a running joke that he was out, Tony Snelling it up for the uh, minutes that he played, just running around doing nothing and ended up on six DK points. So not not a slot that I'm looking at either. But yeah, the Valanciunas pick, it, it just all comes down to that. So it, I'll probably have to see how I uh, feel about putting him in one of those one of the two centers into my utility spot and having Cat there because he's pretty much in all of my pools. But Valanciunas is 100% the major guy in the in the player pool, and then um, I'm actually always a little bit interested in uh, in Josh Hart. Anytime we have situations in which anyone is injured, because it just seems like he always is the one to back up everyone, regardless of what spot it is, one to four, they'll just throw him in there to be the one to kind of fit it out. And as long as he can get a decent amount of shot attempts with that, he'll always get those out of position boards. So at uh, you know at a 5,500 price tag, it's a little bit expensive, sure. But if I'm getting exposure from uh, from the Minnesota side, which I think I will, I may may find myself going a little bit that way as well. Absolutely. I think this guy had position eligibility at every single position uh, <laughs> on DK throughout his career outside of center which we're not going to rule it out. Maybe maybe someday he finds himself there. But at one point, he's point guard, shooting guard. Right now, he's small forward, power forward. 5500 is a very fair price tag. I prefer him over Beverly just because he has a higher ceiling for $500 more. Um, but we'll move on. 8.30 Eastern Standard Time game. Phoenix Suns traveling to San Antonio, taking on the Spurs. In this one, Phoenix, uh, no injury report for them right now. And for San Antonio, looks like they're pretty much good to go. Uh, only other person, Zach Collins, we know has been out. Everybody else is ready to play. Uh, we do not have a game total. We do not have a spread for this one. So, uh, Oh, actually, no, we do. Oh, there we go. I, I'm always good for one lie on the game totals per day. Uh, that is it right there, 220 game total. And we have Phoenix being favored by five. So that's actually a little bit of a shocking line com- considering what we saw some of these other games uh, already. Looking at the Phoenix side of the ball. Really, only places I'm really probably going to be taking a, a hard glance at would be like DeAndre Ayton at 71. Jakob Pertl back in that starting lineup, though. So they have a center to throw back at him. Um, maybe if you can't get up to one of these other centers, because usually I'm I'm, I'm the center guy, Harris. You know this. I, I love playing two centers. I'm usually always recommending a ton of centers. On this slate, I'm really not. We talked about those two in the last slate. I'm probably going to have at least one of those guys in every single lineup. And then outside of that, I think DeAndre Ayton is probably the other guy I'm really considering. Um, probably the only guys I'm really going to be looking at. If we wanted to take dart throws on a guy like McGee, now that we know that Frank Kaminsky is going to be done for the foreseeable future, he should be seeing all the primary big man minutes behind Aiton, but nothing more than a dart throw if you happen to land on it. In the 39, we've already talked about several value plays I think are a little bit better and more secure. 
And I don't see myself landing on Booker, uh, Booker or Paul, just like other guys, a little bit more in around that price range. So you tell me, are you playing anybody like Bridges or Cam Johnson or Crowder or any of these wings? Yeah, I was going to say the wings is probably the spot that I'm looking at a little bit of exposure. I do, from a Mikael Bridges perspective, I just seem to have a thing for the two Bridges in the NBA. I just find that I, one, I like them as players in general, but I also just like taking them in, D, in DraftKings most of the opportunities I can get. And frankly, Mikael Bridges is just getting uh, more and more confident as the season goes on. I mean, we just had a seven of seven game in the last one, which obviously is not going to repeat to that extent. But it all just comes down to if he's able to get uh, the shot attempts that he gets from the gravity that uh, Chris Paul and, De- and Devin Booker create. And it's happening a lot more. And the Spurs in general have been allowing oppositions to just put up you know, 115, 120 points on a nightly basis. So just as a result of that and a game that stays pretty close, I don't like going to Booker and Chris Paul most nights just because I feel the price tag's too high, but I often find myself running it back with the Mikael Bridges. So I'll probably get there. And on that forward position, Jay Crowder is always in play for me, just at that 4,000, 4,500 mark anywhere in between there. He has the upside to be able to give you 30 on any given night. But the problem is his floor is always that little bit lower than some of the more, I would say, safer value picks, if you can say, safer dart throws. So I may not run myself with too much of that, but uh, Mikael Bridges is my guy and JaVale McGee, you already hit on. All right, we'll keep it moving on the Spurs side of the ball. I, I just don't even want to say Deshante Murray's name because I feel like we cursed him in that last <laughs> one. Uh, the one the one day I think we both had interest in him, he just absolutely put up a dud, burned a few of my lineups. He was he was the biggest X mark I had in those lineups. Could have won some good money, uh, but instead I barely I. Nothing worse than losing is being like the two spots out of actually cashing with yeah. a guy that I paid almost 10k for, and he put up what was like 22 or 24 DK points, something terrible for a guy at that price range. So uh, I'm going to let you you be the judge of him tonight because <laughs> if, God forbid, I say I like him and then you say you like him, we're in trouble. Uh, so I, I'm really taking a pass for the most part on this entire team. I mean, Yaka Pirtle's priced at 6K. I only played 15 minutes in his first game back. I don't think they're going to go from 15 to 30 plus. So he'll probably be right around that 25, 24 minute mark is what I'm imagining. And then everybody else feels like they're priced appropriately. And I just haven't been seeing enough big Derek White games to have any interest in him. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it all just comes down to the slate itself. I think on this specific slate, uh, that De- that Deontay Murray price tag is probably a spot I won't be end up going to uh, if I was going to that. And honestly, I'd probably just end up spending a little bit more and getting into uh, you know the Harden range or the Lamelo range instead and finding a way to be able to fit those guys instead of going with Deontay just on this one. But by and large, you could very well have another 60-point game, and this time I get to take it on the chin. But for today, I am not recommending taking Giante. Uh, if I am having any sort of uh, exposure in this one, I'll probably be somewhere between uh, Devin Vassell or uh, or Keldon Johnson just because uh, I do like them to be able to put up uh, pretty decent points. I just think Keldon, I'm waiting for him to get back into that low 5,000 range instead of the 5,900. So if I'm picking one, I'll probably take Devin Vassell, again, for that dual eligibility. But uh, beyond that, no, no real exposure. All right, we'll we'll keep it moving. Then uh, go on to the next game: Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Utah. They are taking on the Jazz. No injury report as of now for the Grizzlies. A couple guys that we're gonna have to monitor, uh, and then the Jazz are good to go. No game total, no line. We have to wait to see about Melton and Dylan Brooks. Most likely, uh, both of them sat out that game on Saturday, in which we saw a little bit of change in the in the lineups and the rotations and stuff like that. But for the most part. Uh, John Morant, 9,700. I've just been team fade John Morant pretty much 
my entire life. Uh, funny fact, I did play him in that Minnesota game, so there I go. Uh, hey. I just got to stick. I got to stick to my fades because I got a nice <laughs> 19 DK points out of him in that one. Uh, but yeah, 9700. I'll take a pass. I'm kind of with you. I'd rather play a little mellow over him. Uh, this Desmond Bain. Um, don't mind looking at him though. Obviously, if we see that there's no Dylan Brooks and if there's no Melton, even if one of those guys sits, that gives him a pretty comfortable floor for minutes wise, especially if the game stays close. So I don't mind him at 49. Uh, prefer him over Beverly. Um, I, I, you know, I keep going back to Beverly, not because I think Beverly is the stock standard at 5K. Uh, just the guy that sticks out that we've talked about a few times already. But I think that Stephen Adams could see extended run in this one going against size like Gobert. They're going to need him out there. I don't think they're going to want Jaron Jackson Jr. messing around with Gobert down low. Um, again, if if they want, it could be the mismatch that they use. I guess we could look at it from both angles where Jaron Jackson steps outside, pulls Gobert out of the paint a little bit. They very well could try to mess around with that, but uh, you know, not not anything you can get overly excited about with Steven Adams. Obviously, we don't want to target centers going against Gobert, but if he were to end up playing 30-plus minutes, um, 35 minutes, uh, you know, I, I always try to look and see just by box scores or just by matchups, he generally plays bigger minute games against bigger centers. It's just that simple. You know, we see him play down minutes against guys like the Clippers, uh, Phoenix when they didn't have Aiton, Houston, he only played 21. And then at the Pelicans, he played 37. He probably would have played 34, 35 in that last one if the game actually stayed close. So I think this could be one of those Steven Adams scenarios, but not anything you would trust in cash. So it's really just going to be Steven Adams and Desmond Bain for me. No, I think you've hit it. And I was going to say, uh, for all the uh, times that you're hoping for my Canadian connection, maybe you can give Taylor Jenkins a call, you know, Dallas-born guy. Maybe play Jaron Jackson for the 30 minutes that he's supposed to be doing on a nightly basis, but he's only done, like, what, three times this year? It's been crazy. I don't understand uh, their minutes rotation in general. They're going, like, 9, 10, 11 deep, and it just becomes a situation where, other than John Morant, no one seems to be safe as far as minutes are concerned. And if everyone's back, honestly, yeah, the Desmond Bain situation is probably the one I'm interested in just because... You know, he's getting the decent amount of shot attempts for the minutes that he gets, and they seem to like him a little bit more than Melton, which I, I still don't understand. Melton is clearly the second-best guard on this team, but they just decide to uh, not play him. So that's that's Taylor Jenkins for you, and that's Memphis. So I'm just <laughs> I'm staying away. I'm staying far away from this game. Yeah, we've been smacking the, uh, the D'Anthony Melton drum for probably about two and a half seasons now here at Sports Ethos. I mean, I think everybody that – it's like a you know you fill out an application or you talk to somebody about a job here. Uh, you need to, you know, check the box. Do you like D'Anthony Melton? Uh, if you're, and I think Rashawn Holmes is probably the other guy. If you hit no <laughs> on either one of those boxes, you could kick rocks. We're not gonna, we're not gonna give you any opportunity. But uh, in all reality, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with those guys. And if you could call Jenkins, that'd be nice because I'm a big Jaron Jackson fan. He's one of my favorite players. I just want to see the guy play more. I mean, some of the times it's his own issue. He gets into foul trouble. Nothing Jenkins can do about that. But let play the guy till he follows out. What do we have to lose? You know, keep him out there. Uh, on the Utah side of things, uh, I have a lot of interest in this side of the ball uh, simply because I think we're starting to finally see some of these price tags come down. Donovan Mitchell now, he's only 8,500 when uh, last time we had a price tag that cheap for him. Uh, actually, this might be the cheapest all season long. Um, maybe I think first two weeks or first week of the season, a couple games, he might have been a little cheaper at like 83, 84. But 8,500, I definitely have some interest in Donovan Mitchell. I think I prefer him over some of those Chicago guys for the discount. Ever so slightly, I think he has about a very similar upside to those guys as well. If this game stays close, he'll probably unlock it. Um, although he will probably get Dylan Brooks' defense, um, which I'm not a big Dylan Brooks guy. I absolutely hate his game in general. I think he shoots way too much. I think some of those minutes should be going to a guy like Melton. I'd even prefer Bain getting some of those minutes over him. But nonetheless, his defense is pretty solid. So uh, Mitchell, don't mind him. I think Mike Conley at 57, if you want to take dart throws at him and GPPs, sure, why not? 
Uh, probably not my cup of tea all in general, though. And then I think this could be one of those Jordan Clarkson games at 5,100, getting the bench usage unit. Um, I definitely have some interest in Clarkson, who's now put up at least at least 24 DK points over the last four games. And he's had a couple in there over 30 as well. So 5,100, I don't mind him. So really Mitchell and Clarkson are probably the two primary options. We talked about so many centers here where uh, I, I'm never not considering Gobert, but I, I don't think I'll end up having too many shares realistically of him on this slate. Yeah, fair enough. And I don't expect this game to stay all that close, to be honest. Memphis at, at Utah themselves has never been a uh, matchup that's worked out too well for the Grizzlies. And I don't expect too much different here, in which case uh, the only kind of exposure I'll have you on, on here is probably with the, some of those cheaper guys. Uh, if everything else works out and I don't go with the two center approach, I might be looking at Whiteside just for his capability. If he plays even you know, 20 minutes, even 18 minutes in this game, he can go ahead and uh, give you a uh, anywhere between 28 to 30. So a, g- a good amount of upside over there for that price tag. And we saw Rudy Gay return last game. Uh, we don't know what his uh, uh, minute structure is going to be going forward. But uh, I mean, if he can be somewhere closer to that uh 20 to 25 minute mark in a game that may be a little bit further away as they try to get him back in game conditioning. It could be one of those games where he drops uh, a decent amount of uh, points against his old team as well. Yeah. And that's, I should have mentioned that. I'm glad you did. <laughs> he played 18 in that last one and they said that he was going to be on restriction. So if 18 is him on a restriction, I think we could eventually probably see him ticket around 23 to 24 minutes on a nightly basis, which yeah, if he's minimum salary, he's absolutely going to have some value there. Is it going to be in the second game back? That I don't know. He also shot lights out, I think, from the floor that entire game. So that's a little unsustainable of a shooting percentage. So I'm going to give him the wait and see approach before I really start throwing him in there. But if you if you have the stones and you want to put them put him in there in a GPP or two, uh, I would fault you. It's really gay. I get it. He's 30 plus years old at this point, but he still has a little left in the tank. Final game of the night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Philadelphia 76ers traveling to Sacramento, taking on the Kings. We do not have an injury report for either team right now. Or we don't have a uh, we don't have any game lines, no spreads, no totals, no nothing. Joel Embiid most likely still out though, along with Ben Simmons. We saw that uh, your boy, I know you always mention him, uh, Dybul, finally back. He's in that <laughs> yes. rotation in the minutes again, uh, and then that's probably really it. The really monitor outside of Danny Green, he missed Saturday's game because he was dealing with hamstring injury, so he could end up sitting out another one uh, on the Sacramento. Everybody rejoice, clap your hands. I know that if you have been a Sports Ethos listener, reader, member for a long time, uh, we have a lot of Sacramento ties in here as well. Uh, there is no more Luke Walton. Uh, dude shouldn't have had a job. It's just that simple. He should have never had the Laker job. should have never had this job. Uh, dude is an absolutely horrendous head coach. I can't do any better. I'm not trying to sit here and say, like, I know, I know how to coach an NBA team. I probably could barely coach myself a rec league basketball team. Uh, but one thing I do know is you do not run rotations like that. And he he's always has an excuse. That's one thing I couldn't stand. Every press conference, it was, I think the most recent one was, yeah, well, these guys are young. Dude, you had the like five guys in your rotation that are like in at least their third or fourth year now. Uh, it's not that young. So I'm glad he's finally gone. Darren Fox. Uh, well, I guess, you know what, before I get ahead of myself, I'll pass it over to you. Philadelphia. I almost started just, I almost skipped right over uh, the the Philadelphia side of things. I'm so excited to just talk about the Luke Walton firing and what that might mean for this rotation. So uh, who are you looking over there at Philly? Exactly. No, it's just a bonfire that you just love watching. So Sacramento's where all the interest is. But as far as uh, Philly's concerned, you said Embiid and uh, you know Simmons continue to be their thing and they're out uh, out together, in which case I'm honestly uh, looking at into the, the cheap guys there. I just never like taking Tyrese Maxey at his price tag, even though he keeps finding ways to beat that uh, beat that tag. And I'm just waiting for the time that he goes back into the 
you know, low 6,000s where I feel more comfortable with him. But uh, honestly, I probably have a little bit more interest in uh, a combination of George Niang or Sheikh Milton. It's just one of those where it's between those who can who can find themselves getting more minutes consistently. And we found that Niang has been the guy that's kind of broken through and still at a price tag that's you know below that uh, 4,500, even though he's up to 42 now. And so it's a good spot for him to be. I got 35 minutes in each of the last two games. Uh, he's getting that small forward power forward eligibility here, but also in the rotation for Doc Rivers, he likes playing him in both of those spots. So he's finding himself in more minutes, more involved in the offense. That's probably one spot. And then, yeah, we already spoke of Matisse Tybal. It's just one of those where give him 25 minutes and he'll go ahead and uh, find a way to smash that value. And he's coming back first game. and He's still got 21 minutes in that one, which I expect will uh, see himself going a little bit higher on this one because it was all about uh, getting himself ramped up to a normal workload. So, He'll probably be one of those dart throws that I throw out there just for posterity. If I ever lose, it's never because of Matisse Tybal. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, take that on and keep bringing my boy along. <laughs> yeah, it is your boy, man. You got you to gotta stick with it. Yeah, Nang actually drew the drew the start in that last game. So uh, if he draws another start, I have a ton of interest. Even off the bench, I still wouldn't mind him as well. We don't know if he drew the start because they knew they weren't going to play Thibel big minutes. They wanted to give him shorter spurts and stuff like that. I think he was playing a little five-minute uh, five spurts in that last game. So I have interest in Nang at 42. Uh, I always talk about shooting guards versus the King. So Seth Curry, I think, comes into play at 49. I'm coming to with you in that maxi train where I've been taking a lot of these off the chin. I called him on like one or two of his big games. Uh, but I think just looking at the other side of the ball, I'd rather play De'Aaron Fox for only $200 more, uh, especially knowing with the whole Luke Wall and firing. Now we're going to actually play some real basketball kind of thing. So I think Seth Curry, Niang, if you wanted to take a stab at Tobias Harris, he's finally had a good price tag again. I think at 8100 that's where he should be, especially – uh, no Joel Embiid in the lineup I think is huge. We were seeing him priced in that high eights range for quite some time, and that was just something I couldn't tolerate. I wasn't going to play him there, but I can consider him at 81. So it's Nang, it's going to be uh, Harris, and it's going to be a little bit of Seth Curry. Uh, on to the other fun side of the ball, Darren Fox in play, 7,600. One guy that has been, I think, quietly vocal about Luke Walton. Um, I'm expecting an aggressive game from him in this one. I'm expecting this whole entire team, Kings team, to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I think that they were kind of getting ready to revolt in the locker room. I think the front office was already on its way to revolting. They kind of came into the season saying it's playoffs or bust. Season really got away from them. So I think De'Aaron Fox, 7,600, very, very much in play. I like that price tag now that he's under AK. Surely I'll have some shares of him. Um, and then Harrison Barnes, I, you know, he's up and down play. has just been uncomfortable. We can say that. But we've seen his upside. He's at a good price tag now at 63. Small forward, power forward eligibility. We always talk about that because I think me and you both hate playing uh, or paying up for small forwards. So I'm, I'm usually you know trying to go mid-tier or go low in that range. So I don't mind him. Uh, he's a tough guy that I, I can't always peg right. I'm just going to be completely frank and honest with that. I, I struggle with just pegging him. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to get him right. Um, and then I'm probably not going to go the Rashawn Holmes well just because we talked about so many other centers on this slate. But again, another guy that I, li- I like a lot of these Kings. I'm very excited to see what they do. But looking at these top tier guys, some of these veterans that have been here for a few seasons and really made a name for himself, those are the guys I'm really expecting to see like kind of pop. I don't know if there's going to be anything done differently with the rotation as far as starters or anything like that that remains to be seen. Um, if we hear that Buddy Hill starts at 5,300, we can have some interest in them. But for the most part, it's going to be the top three guys for me. And that is it. Yeah, and 
It's funny because the uh, on the other side, it's like everyone's been waiting for Marvin Bagley to come and uh, actually do something now. Because as soon as that uh, trade happened, I swear in like nine different leagues that I'm in, everyone just went and ran to grab Marvin Bagley. So they're clearly hoping that uh, this change is going to be positively benefiting him. I, I'll take that wait and see approach and see if it actually happens. Because yeah, at 4,800, it's just too much of a uh, too much of a price tag boost. And going back to the Harrison Barnes thing. I think that's the biggest reason for me always avoiding him is just I never believe in that efficiency. He's just all he just doesn't have enough ancillary stats. Usually, I mean, this year he's getting nearly eight rebounds a game, which is obviously punching me out. But it's always been one of those things where Harrison Barnes was a bit of an empty scorer. And the fact that he's adding a little bit more to his game is helping his fantasy value. And I'm finding I'm playing him more nights than not although he's not always paying off, as you said, but it's just one of those where the floor is usually pretty secure. Even if he has a a bad night, it'll be in the mid-20s, which obviously isn't amazing, but it's not a complete and utter bust. So I usually find myself taking him. And at that small forward uh, position, I'm usually okay to pay up to about 7,000. That's like my max. So at this one, I'll probably end up taking a little bit of Harrison Barnes to give myself a shot at uh, the Sacramento side. All right. Well, that brings us home, my man. And uh, we didn't talk about Andre Drummond uh, on Philly's side of the ball. And I wanted to ask you, like, what is going on? Uh, normally, I love targeting centers going against Sacramento. It's centers and, and shooting guards for me. Uh, but I can't trust them. So, I, you know, I know we didn't touch on them. I don't think either one of us have a ton of interest. We've already talked about plenty of centers on this slate. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Do you know something I don't? <laughs> I just think it's one of those things where Andre Drummond has always just been terrible. There's, there's no two ways about it. He's never been a guy that you can keep on the floor for super long periods of time if you're actually looking to win games because he just doesn't have the kind of basketball IQ that'll allow you to do it. And it's just kind of showing as far as uh, Doc Rivers rotations are concerned. I mean, even if he's out there, he's far less involved on the offense. And I think as a result, he's not uh, crashing the offensive glass as he normally would with that same kind of fervor. And that's why he's not getting those double-digit rebound games and everything else just kind of falls into place because 90% of his offense is putbacks. And if he's not doing that, then he's not going to go ahead and put up those uh, big DK nights that we're hoping for. And I don't see it happening in the near future either. All right. Well, let's get on to our player tier segment. I think we we already know. Uh, I think I think we might know all three for you, but I'll let you lead off. Uh, expensive tier, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, expensive tier is Carl Anthony Towns. They said 9,500 is just a price tag that uh, I would bite the hand off to be able to take. I just love him at any time he's under 10,000. He just has the upside to be able to give you, you know, 50 on a night in, night out basis while still being able to drop, you know, a big 60 game if he happens to get it around. So this matchup has been great for him so far. Uh, 54 DK points in the two matchups that he's had against them. And I expect this Minnesota team, which has been playing well as of the, as of the last couple of games, really trying to keep that momentum going. And it starts and ends with Cats. So expecting that to be a big night for him. All right. Well, I can't argue with that there. He probably would have been my expensive guy as well. Uh, I'll probably go with uh, a Lamella ball. I think a 10-2. I just like the upside. I, you know, I talked about Durant as well, but you're getting 800 discount with Ball. Uh, we like the matchup. We like the pace. We like everything about it. And you said it very well earlier on the slate. Even when he's having a rough shooting night, his ability to chip in with steals, blocks at the guard position, uh, and then just the overall rebound and assist numbers are off the charts for him every single game with the potential triple-double in line. So I'll lean LaMelo at 10-2 for your mid-tier. Who are you going with? Yeah, and I'll, I'll take his partner. Maybe, maybe I'm cheating a little bit. Well, it's it's 8,000, the top end of the mid-tier, but he's at 8,200. But we'll I'll go slide. ahead. Yeah, we'll let it slide. So we'll go ahead and say Miles Bridges is my guy at 8,200. Just he said, if Lamelo's having a good night, it's probably meaning that Miles is also having it at the same time, just catching those lobs. And 
we don't know the game total of this night yet, but I'm not going to go ahead and say it'll be anything less than 220. I expect it to be around that, and it should get to that point. So, yeah, Miles Bridges 8,200 has the upside to drop another high 40s to maybe even a low 50 night on this one. Well, actually, no, we, this is one of the ones oh, we yes. do have. And, 216, and right? Just, yeah, and I was like, how is this not 220? Um, so, hey, maybe take the over if you're better. Um, there you go. I, I, but also, I usually, my friends will always call me, they're like, you're the basketball guy. What should we do? And I'm like, these guys know nothing about hoops. Some of them are just degenerates that look, you know, they got the DK Sportsbook now, and they're just trying to go out there, bet as, as often <laughs> as they could. They'll they'll, uh, they'll try to put together these, like, nine or ten-leg parlays and ask me all the questions. I'm like, listen, if I could win ten-game parlays myself, I would be doing it. Uh, it's, it's not that easy. Uh, but I would probably take the over in this one if I if I were to bet. Um, for me, in the mid-range, you know, there's a few guys that we spoke about. If we knew that there wasn't going to be any sort of restrictions on Laurie Markin, I think him at 5K flat would be a nice uh, a nice look. But my best uh, my best guess is that he will have some sort of restrictions. So, you know, kind of hard to give him as one of those best plays, I guess we could say. But I think Ricky Rubio at 68 is a very comfortable guy. Uh, I like him in that price range a lot more than all those other guys in the price range with him. You know, I like him more than Schroeder, I like him more than Lonzo, I like him more than Drew Holiday. So if you're looking at guards in that mid-tier range, I think he's probably the obvious option to go with. And that's who I will throw out there for my mid-tier range. And if you're looking at a value play, who you got? Fair enough. And this one's a bit of a caveat because we're still waiting on the Cole Anthony news. But hey, if we hear that he's going to be missing out this game as well, I'm locking in RJ Hampton myself. It's just one of those things where... Uh, he just needs to be able to get the minutes to be able to rack up the points. We've seen it even in his uh, in his rookie year. It just all comes down to minutes and usage for him. He got 28 in the last game. If uh, if Cole Anthony's out, I don't see why he's going to have anything less than 25, even on a game that may not necessarily stay all that close. He's just a guy I think you can lock in with a pretty safe floor and having the upside to give you another 30-plus night. Can't argue with it. And I will go with Cam Reddish at 3,600. Uh, I think he's going to keep capitalizing on this bench usage unit, uh, especially bench usage in the second unit. I just can always combine that. Uh, at least 13 shot attempts over the last two games, playing at least 25 minutes over the last three. The game gets out of hand. I still expect him to play big minutes regardless. So I think Cam Reddish at 36, having that dual eligibility, he's a solid play. And that brings us home. That wraps everything up. Give us a follow on Twitter. We greatly appreciate it. At Mike Patria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Harris, let them know. Absolutely. As always, you can get me at H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L, hack devil, to get now the whole ethos verse worth of hot takes from me. Absolutely. Uh, and they're they're spicy. We always talk about it. He's got some spicy takes out there, um, especially like when we both play DeJounte Murray and say he's going to have a big game. You know, you think that would be spicy, but when we both recommend it, it's spicy. Mm. Uh, so... Yeah, give him a follow, guys. He's awesome. I love doing the shows with Harris. Um, I'm sure everybody that listens to us on a daily basis, uh, they love hearing the shows with both of us on there as well because you always come back to the knowledge, man. I like I like it. I like it every time we do it. I know it's going to be a good show. And then give us a five-star, thumbs-up, rate, review, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, wherever you might listen. We are available everywhere, YouTube even. So uh, give us a thumbs-up. Give us a five-star. Give us a nice comment, uh, positive, negative. If you're going to leave a negative Leave a five star. That's all I ask. Uh, we'll try to correct whatever you don't like. You know, we, we've had some issues in the past with audio. Uh, you know, Santino's been known as the name butcher. There's a lot of things that we've got dinged on a little bit, but uh, we're still maintaining a nice high, uh, a nice high, like 4.7 or 4.8 review over there. We're just trying to get past that 150 mark. So if you guys can give us a little hand with that, we would greatly appreciate it. And that's it. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be Santino. It'll be Sammy. They'll be crushing the Monday slate for you guys. Or I'm sorry, this uh, Tuesday slate for you. Thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good night. 
take down some tournaments.